the New Zealand Digital Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Technology. Welcome along to the New Zealand Digital Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Ross McDougall. I'm Ollie Wilton. Well, great to have you on the show, Ollie. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us along. So how often do we see folks from Twitter here in, in New Zealand to start with? Because this is, this is a little bit new for us. Yeah, this is our first trip, first boots on ground, I think someone described it as earlier. Um, so yeah, we just sent out a bit of an investigation party. There's myself, I'm the international revenue manager. We've got our head of comms and our um, lady who runs marketing for the region. So yeah, we're just over here on a bit of a fact-finding miss- mission, meeting some agencies, some brands, talking to some media, good people like yourself. Excellent. Well, to start with, uh, you know, I think just for the general audience, I think you know, Twitter's reasonably well known out there now, but probably not quite as deep in terms of its user base, I guess, as Facebook. So maybe you could, for those that aren't, aren't so familiar, give a little bit, a little bit of an intro to where Twitter fits into the picture. Um, Twitter's the shortest distance between you and what you care about most. It's the best way to stay in touch with the people, the places, the brands, the things, the entities, the things that interest you most in real time. It's predominantly a mobile platform. About 80% of our um, access in this region is done by a mobile device. The rest is picked up by desktop. So it's a, it's a companion. It goes with you everywhere. It's the pulse of the planet. Whatever happening in the world, it happens on Twitter. That's a that's a pretty strong way to sell it, isn't it? Ross? Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that's a great yeah. way of saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were, we were talking before about uh, you know breaking news and, and information. I know, yeah, Ross, you you probably get to be in front of Twitter, you know, more on a daily basis than yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what were you, what were your comments about sort of you know recent news events and so on? Well, I mean, like I said, yeah, like I'm an avid Twitter user um, of the band and what have you, and and um, you know, for me, it's been the central hub for pretty much every late-breaking news piece that I've absorbed. Uh, the example we were talking about it earlier in terms of that uh, it was a, uh, a shootout or an armored car in Detroit, uh, which was fascinating because I was getting real-time updates from people that were actually at the site. It's, it's becoming a really fascinating avenue to get late-breaking and on-the-spot, on-the-minute information, isn't it? Yeah, well, Twitter's completely live. There's no algorithm or edge rank who determines who sees what. Potentially, 100% of your followers can see 100% of your content, 100% of your tweets. The only filter we have is when they're on a platform. The filter is time. So the way people connect on Twitter is they connect to people with common interests and who are interested in the same stuff, have the same passions. Um, it's not so much a social network. It's an information network. That's what's important to people, being informed and finding those common passion points. So when a new story breaks like that, and especially when it's sort of citizen journalism and it's uh, the voice of a sort of user, all it takes is a couple of retweets for that information and that story to break very, very quickly and, mm. and spread sort of very, very far and wide. Um, so, yeah, we've seen some amazing examples of it recently. So something like... Um, Put out your bats in Australia when Philip Hughes tragically died. Yeah. A, a single user jumped on that, summed up the moment with a hashtag. Um, and the I'll ride with you. And I'll ride name. with you, yeah. uh, Je suis Charlie, like all those um, sort of hashtags that just produced by users. And Twitter's got this sort of magical power that it's sort of democratized information. 
that you don't have to be a newspaper editor, you don't have to be a TV producer, you don't have to be a journalist in order to be in charge of what information gets distributed anymore. Every individual has a voice. Um, and say, the put out your bats example, the guy who started that movement, uh, Paul Taylor, he only had, I think it was either sort of 14 or 20 followers when he mm. put out that tweet. So it's not about just those people who have got the biggest audience who can dictate the agenda or have a voice on the platform. Potentially every user has a voice. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a, a lot of people getting started can be quite intimidated by the fact that they, you know, they don't have any followers or they don't have many followers. Mm. And, you know, so many other people that have been on, on Twitter for a long time have built up sort of quite a big base and you know there can be that perception of it's not it's not worth tweeting anything because you know no one's no one's going to see it but that's not really the case is it particularly with the inclusion of hashtags and so on how broadly things can actually spread Exactly. It's a, it's a public platform. So it doesn't have to be your following built up that's going to engage with your content. If you tag it up correctly or you're on point or you get picked up by someone else and they retweet it, you can get traction even though you've got very minimal sort of following. Yeah. And we see there's no sort of expectations to follow people. So say like a big TV event, say the Breaking Bad finale, we had people jumping in and searching that hashtag and just following the tweets that were coming through live. And we had the producers, the actors, the writers, the biggest fans, the celebrities, we're all tweeting about it in real time. And there was no expectation that you had to then follow all these people because after that night, you probably weren't going to be that interested in what they had to say as they moved on to other projects. Mm. But right there in the moment, you had this really collective intelligence of all these people who were as passionate, as interested as you, and you were able to unwatch it unfold on the second screen. See, I did that with the Mayweather fight. Right. I, I couldn't find a way to watch yeah. it. So. <laughs> Followed the hashtag very closely on Twitter. Yeah. But it was it was fascinating to digest that information. It is quite an it, interesting way to watch sport, isn't it? Yeah, to, to I did find a Periscope it. stream of some guy yeah. like three or four rows back. So yeah. it, was, it was really handy. <laughs> yeah, and people are incredibly quick and funny and witty. And when you put that sort of like creative restriction on them, that constraint, it really conspires creativity. Like, how can you actually be that funny and on point and poignant in 140 characters? And we're just constantly surprised by the sort of creative uses and the way people get their messages away in such a restricted format. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's yeah, there's definitely good a- aspects to that restriction. And I think, yeah, people get used to it pretty quickly, don't they? Yeah. And um, it's just so easy to consume. I mean, it's another slightly intimidating thing when people first join the platform. But if you don't know what at handles and hashtags and in case you missed it and hat tip and all those different sort of um, abbreviations that Twitter users, well, you boys both sort of know and love, it can be slightly intimidating. And again, people say, um, why would I be on Twitter? I've got nothing to say. But in some markets, 40% of people don't actually tweet. And that's fine. People use it to consume media. People still engage. Still, People still connect with other people around the world, but they're just not comfortable or sort of in a position where they want to broadcast what they're up to. But they're just as valuable to us. And, and for the people that do want to, like you said, you can use hashtags and promote yourself, your brand and your causes. What would be some... Uh, you know, for, for, for people out there that are wanting to, to increase their reach and, and, uh, and their use of Twitter, do you have any kind of, kind of basic one-on-one sure. principles? Um, it seems slightly ridiculous um, considering you can only use up to 140 characters, but we actually see tweets with under 100 characters um, get a big spike in engagement, sometimes up to right. three times more engagement. Um, just the way the world going, people aren't willing to read a whole 140 characters. The other thing people tend to do is they send their message in maybe 90, uh, 100 characters and then sort of panic and fill it up with hashtags, which is can be really useful if you're on point or you're trying to plug into some organic conversations, but it also gives people five or six opportunities to click away from what you've got to say mm. into an environment where you no longer might be present. So especially from a brand point of view and when you're sort of promoting your tweets and sort of advertising on the platform, you probably want to keep it quite streamlined in terms of what you're saying, maybe have your campaign hashtag or the sort of lead one where you're trying to connect with. Yeah. 
Um, so I'd imagine from a user experience as well, seeing a flood of hashtags would be distracting. It can just look like nonsense. And yeah. you, lose, you forgot what you're reading and you're on to the next tweet. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the, um, you know, back in the day when you used to uh, fill your meta tags with a whole bunch of yeah. fluff. Yeah. You know, SEO spam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so, but visually, it's distracting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Health, yogi life, take me back. Like, mm. I love mm. summer. <laughs> mm. They're probably not going to plug into the right sort of conversation. Or stuff that is not in any way, shape or form relevant or contextual yep. to what you are talking about. Exactly. And we're, that's obviously bad practice is trying to connect with a cause or a, a trend or a subject matter, but you have no place having that conversation. And being a community-driven platform, you'll very quickly find out um, that if you're not sort of welcome and your content isn't right for that particular stream or, or trend. I saw an example of that on, on Facebook. It was a French hotel jumping on the Sydney shooting. And using the hashtags. So that very quickly got shot down. The community were very vocal about, you can't do that. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of other things. So we've made the platform a lot more multimedia in recent years. Right. I mean, sort of two years ago, it was tweet copy only. You had 140 characters and then it was a tweet pick or it was a a link or a link out to some other blog or wherever you want to redirect people. But our users definitely want that first bite of a cherry, that first experience in platform. So um, about 18 months ago, we launched it so you could upload one image. And then shortly afterwards, you could upload up to four images, which you can now scroll through as a gallery. You can also be tagging people behind the scenes in those um, images. So it's not eating into your um, character limit, which makes your content a little bit more social. And you can bring in partners or other people on Twitter who have been involved in the tweet or projects. Um, And then we've gone right through to the other end. So with the introductions of Vine playing directly in platform, which we acquired before it bought, again, about um, 18 months ago, um, right through to in-stream native video now, and we were talking about earlier via GIFs as well, yeah. which is something our users really asked for, and they really cried out for, and we were able to listen and get that move through pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah and, and we've been doing it with uh, with podcasts as well, with embedding the SoundCloud yeah, audio in there as well, and, yeah, great. And, and, and that's great. So, yeah, it's good good to see those uh, those changes coming along. What's sort of driven those those changes? Is that something that users are sort of you know pushing for, or a- yeah, it's a combination of a couple of things. But like I say, it's the way the world's going. People want to consume that real time data from the same platform. They don't necessarily want to be directed off. Um, about thirty percent of all um, actions on Twitter are clicked somewhere else. That, right, was, okay. that was our heritage. That yep. was, hey, I've written a tech blog. Why don't you come and check it out? Or uh, I'll be attending this talk at South by Southwest. Like, have a look and see what you think. That mm. was our heritage. People are willing to do it. But now just with the development and sort of bandwidth and the technology we've got behind us, we can just bring more of that rich experience into Twitter, which really encourages on-platform action. So the retweets, the favorites, replies, it encourages people to actually carry on that conversation on our platform rather than being pushed off elsewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, there's been a lot of UX changes to ensure that on-platform form uh, is happening yep. such as the embedded browsers yep. and, and what have you it's- yeah again that's pretty um, standard across the sort of industry now that people want that first step and when they're able to return to where they wanted to go um, but Twitter's really interesting because people will read 140 characters they'll click out and read a blog or they'll click right through and buy a book or a podcast off the mm-hmm. back of it so it's just about grabbing that attention and getting as much of your message across as you can in that 140 characters that's great. So in terms of, you know, brands and, and, uh, and uh, companies and, and agencies wanting to use Twitter um, uh, and scenarios that would lead them to use Twitter, what are some good ways to, for the use of it in terms of promotion or causes or events? Sure. Um, well, I might just give you a quick overview of how it actually works That'd be great. in terms yeah. of our sort of um, suite of promoted products. Great. So we've only got three of them. So we keep it pretty simple and clean. Um, and most of your sort of listeners have probably seen them out in the wild, um, seen other brands already sort of experimenting with them. Um, and the three products are... They're all just designed to amplify discovery. 
because that's what Twitter's all about. It's about how do I find the things that's most important to me or those things in the world that I care about most now. So our promoted products are just designed to amplify that discovery. Right. So we have one product, which is our promote trend, which is where you can put your hashtag on top of the trending topics for a 24 hour basis. So mm-hmm. you own that conversation for 24 hours. Um, and we've seen really interesting uses. Brands either jump on this to kickstart a conversation. So yeah. if there's a launch coming out or a new movie, they want to drive conversation or a cause they want to drive awareness and want to educate people on where to have that conversation and bring other people in. They can then sponsor that hashtag and push it out to sort of everyone in New Zealand on that day. Yeah. Um, or people use it to jump on predictable trends. So say for the, um, the Highlanders, uh, well, uh, hurricanes game at the weekend. Sure. Sorry, I was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, uh, that was predictably going to trend. People knew that was going to happen trending. So maybe a sports brand or an entertainment brand or a ticketing brand who wanted to be around that conversation could have bought on that hashtag. And then anyone who clicked through on that hashtag in that 24 hours period, they own the top spot of that conversation. So right. their promoted tweet is pinned to the top. Right, okay. Um, so that's one sort of mass reach tool we have. Um, then we have promoted accounts whereby people can scale their audience. Mm-hmm. They can go out and get more people to actually start following them as a brand or an organization. And you only actually pay if they actually click to follow you. Um, and we see people um, who follow you via a promoted account, um, 90% of them still following you a year later. Yeah. So it's not a quick smash and grab and sort of instant win. And because, again, we have that lack of edge rank and algorithm, if yeah. you know all your audience are watching Shortland Street or MasterChef, you should be more active in that time. And that, that's a great point as well because I find that, you know, that lack of that algorithm certainly helps with your engagement rates, your yeah. reach. You know, you, you're not uh, potentially constricted in terms of, you know, budget, like you said, you've got a plenty of opportunities and uh, it's a, a viable platform for that. Sounds like you've done a lot of work to eliminate a lot of the potential black hat practices that uh, users of previous may have been uh, accustomed to or, or wanting to try and do. There's, there's now a very healthy avenue to, to do it naturally and organically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just understanding what those users want, when they're going to be most likely on the platform, and then just tailing your content accordingly. Little basic bits of best practice, like you know, most people are going to be on their mobile phones in the commuting hours. So they're probably not going to sign up and sign up for new health insurance or yeah, true, take out yeah. a test drive, but they will watch a video. They re- will retweet your content. They will read your blog post. And then during the middle of the day, they'll probably move more into desktop where they might do something a bit more in depth. And then in the evening, we see tablet and mobile phone Twitter usage sort of spike again in line with primetime TV. Great. So you just want to be structuring your content according to what's going on in people's world. Yeah. That can be structured through the use of the campaigns, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you can decide sort of what triggers those promoted tweets because that's our sort of third product and our sort of uh, hallmark product is our promote tweets how do we actually get your content and put it directly into the feed of the people who it's most relevant to yeah um, and you only actually pay if they do your desired action with it so you yeah, can great. specify if you want leads or clicks or video views or app installs or app opens you can determine what you want them to do how much you're willing to pay and then it's just based on an auction model so there's it's a really really lean media buy that's great and is, is that being the functionality that we're, we're talking about has that been Say six one half a dozen the other, but has it been user driven in terms of what they want and feedback or um, or user testing? Like you say, it's it's uh, it's pretty much fifty fifty. Yeah. Video, our users called out from um, advertisers and, and sort of big advertising partners have driven the fact that they want direct referral traffic. They want app installs. They want to be able to capture leads with one click on the platform. Yeah. So 
the more visual sort of nature of the platform, the fact that we've made it possible for users to upload 30 seconds of native video themselves, because that's what they asked for, has meant we can now extend that to advertisers because that's a sort of recognized behavior and users are comfortable interacting with video on the platform now so we can begin to monetize that. That's great. And we've seen, you know, you've got a lot of functionality in the embedded experience within the uh, the, the browser and the platform itself. Yeah. Have you seen any insights as to what has become the most popular platform for the use of Twitter in terms of specific tools or applications? There are very, you know, varying tool sets that people use in terms of doing their tweets, yeah. scheduling tweet content, yeah, exactly. tweets, that side of things. Yeah. Um, well, we own TweetDeck, so that's probably the one I'm going to recommend because <laughs> uh, hopefully as much of a native functionality carries across to that. And yeah. I know the Hootsuite experience with the new promote video isn't the most um, seamless at the moment. You have to sort of refer and drive yourself outside of it. Mm. So, I mean, there's some great tools out there for scheduling tweets, but a lot of that is we've brought in natively. Um, and there's a lot of a suite of tools we've unlocked for advertisers now where you can actually jump in and start scheduling posts. You get a lot more transparency on what your previous tweets have done. Um, and this is something your listeners sort of might not know, that we've actually got an analytics package for everyone. If you go onto analytics.twitter.com when you're logged into your Twitter account, you can actually jump in and sort of lift the hood on what's going on in your profile. So you can go in and see who your followers are. Yeah. You can see where they're based geographically. You can see what they're interested in, be it sort of music, sport, tech, whatever it is. You can see what other type of app handles they follow and most likely to retweet. That's, that's for everybody now. That's for every it? user. Yeah. So you can jump great. in and you can suddenly see also all your historic tweets. So you can see how many people have not only retweeted and favorited a tweet, which has always been visible because it leaves a mark on the platform, but you can now see how many people have expanded your images, how many people have clicked out, how much those retweets have actually earned you in terms of uh, sort of exponential reach. And say for the for the users who might be listening and the pennies dropped and they've gone to click into the analytics, what would they what 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 they what should they be looking at, or what would they want to look at? I mean. The first way to do it is to manage your content strategy. So you can very, very quickly see the type of content, the time you post it, and what sort of response it's getting from people. So you can see broken down in chronological order, and you can sort it by your best tweets by engagement rate, your best tweets by how much actually reach they've given. So you might think that your users are following you for one reason, but they might be holding on for these little nuggets you do occasionally, so do more of them. Mm. You might not um, understand that a lot of your view, uh, a lot of your followers are on the South Island, so you might want to tailor more content to them, or they might be Wellington-based. Yeah. So it's just getting that understanding of those people who have found you organically, who have actually come looking for you, and what are they sort of in the market for, and how can you adapt your either your personal content strategy or your brand's content strategy. So that was an epiphany for me with my use because I've got 20, 21,000 followers, but my engagement rates are nowhere near as what I thought they would be. But a penny that dropped for me is that my audience with my band are American. Yep. I'm not posting when they're up and about. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've now got to tailor my content strategy using the scheduling. If I, there's specific things that I want a high engagement rate for, it's going to be at 2, 3, 4 in the morning for me, but that's when my audience is awake. That's when you're just getting up anyway, isn't it? So yeah. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> perfect example. Um, and for brands, they can jump in and they can test and learn because a, a day in the wild is worth a month in the lab. They can jump in and see, sort of try lots of different tweets. And then if one of them starts getting good engagement rates organically, that's the one they can select to put a bit of budget behind in real time. If, if someone's loved your content around, um, say, the All Blacks game today, you can suddenly take that and see, oh, that's getting a 10% engagement rate. That's got... 
20 retweets and 30 favorites. Maybe let's put 500 bucks and promote that to anyone who's talking about the All Blacks using the hashtag or following the All Blacks. You can actually do that with our targeting. So that's how you can really scale that stuff that's getting organic traction. That's great. It's, it's cool to see there's a platform that, you know, has all of that information. I know yep. a lot of, um, there's a lot of misconception in terms of, you know, uh, you know, people that crunch the numbers or want the numbers in terms of campaigns and they think just uh, it reaches a be-all and end-all. Yeah. But you know, like you said, if you have the ability to determine what type of click-through or conversion rates you're, you're generating from that, what's 10,000 reach if you've got one or two people that are actually doing what you want them to do? Exactly. Um, and that's, especially from the advertising point of view, we have to be transparent and accountable and we've got a real time analytics suite and we want to be able to show people that it's not just engagement it's not just on platform all these other things they can actually affect by doing great content on twitter yeah what goes well on twitter doesn't just live and die on twitter it can escape and move across all these different platforms and like you said you don't have the, the frustration of complex algorithms in terms of what gets generated and what doesn't it's very it's very transparent from what i can gather yeah now, how how do you get that balance right with uh, you know promoted tweets and I guess from a user perspective, most users would say, look, we just don't want there to be any any paid content at all. We just want it to be the community. But yeah, obviously there's a there's a there's an aspect where uh, yeah, t- Twitter has to be you know successful commercially. Other- otherwise, yeah, ultimately it ceases to exist. Yeah. So yeah, how does how does that work? And you know. How do you, uh, yeah, I guess take the feedback in terms of whether you, you know, you're going too, too far in one direction or sure. another? I mean, user experience is paramount to our success. If we piss everyone off, they'll disappear and they won't come back. So it's the way we serve ads and the way we sort of determine what content gets promoted on the platform is sort of two-factor. So like I was mentioning, it's all a next price auction model. So anyone who's ever done eBay will understand that you put your maximum bid and then you don't automatically go straight to that, but you just do enough to outbid the next person. So you're in control of how much you pay for this. But we don't set it up so just the big boys can come in and bid sort of $20 on every engagement and just completely own every conversation and get sort of mass reach. We also look at the engagement rate of those promoted tweets. And that's for two factors sort of qualification. But if you're getting good engagement rates and you're bidding competitively, you've got as much chance of being sort of displayed as someone who's bidding much higher than you. Because we want great content on the platform. We want to put that onus on brands who are coming to advertise with us to put the time and effort into understand the platform and to get the best results out of it. And that works for users because they get um, sort of escalated great content. And it's not unusual or foreign for Twitter users to find things in their feed they don't follow because of a retweet mechanism. So that's what we want to replicate. We want to get people who've got great, relevant, timely content, take advantage of our unique targeting and actually add some value to the user's feed rather than distract from it. That's great. Okay, cool. Yeah, makes some sense. So like we, we touched on earlier about the different uh, platforms that are being introduced to Twitter and what have you. Are you seeing any trends in terms of what is uh, becoming quite popular now in terms of content or content creation? I mean, citizen journalism is one of our sort of complete strengths. Like I was saying, it gives everyone a voice. Um, so that started with Vine, and then Vine sort of evolved into this really interesting sort of creative platform. You've yeah, already seen the Vine magic tricks, people doing yeah. great mm-hmm. time-lapse things on it. So we've kept Vine separate from our sort of native video because that's meant to be, right, what are, what's happening in your world right now? It's like a video tweet. Yeah, what blew my mind recently was finding out that uh, there's specific tw- um, Vine comedians yes who have their own management huge firms. following huge yeah. following yeah awesome. and they're getting paid great amounts of money by brands to make yeah. great content for them so there's the professional vinographer is one of the, the new professions of the 21st professional century professional vinographers <laughs> that's, um, that's great and yeah, people are getting sort of more adaptive sort of creating gifts and then right through gifts sorry uh, then right through to periscope 
So that's the sort of epitome of citizen journalism, but now everyone can have their own broadcast channel. Yeah. Everyone can broadcast in real time for as long as they like exactly what's happening in their world. Yeah, that, I mean, that to me seems like, uh, you know, quite a breakthrough, but I think there's, a, there's, it seems like there's more to come with Periscope. It sort of hasn't, you know, hasn't quite got there. What, you know, what do you think the future is? What's the next, next stage on that? Have you got any, any thoughts or is that, is, I guess, what you're still discovering? Uh, we're still discovering it. I mean, it's three months old. I think it's actually been in the market. I think just after South by Southwest, it yeah. sort of, it got, it got premiered and we've only been on Android for the last four to six weeks, I yeah. believe. So a whole mm-hmm. bunch of new users are suddenly discovering the platform, but we're seeing really interesting uses from it. So, um, apologies to using in a, Australian example, I hope half your audience haven't switched off now, but the um, treasurer, Joe Hockey, after he announced the budget a couple of months ago, uh, he actually did a live Q&A off the back of it. So he wow. sat there and asked people, so, what do you think? Ask me anything. Here we go. And he did sort of live Q&A and made himself very, very accessible. Mm. Um, we've also had like Roger Federer, who walked around Wimbledon giving a tour of his Wimbledon the other day to anyone who wanted to sort of access it. And people can discover that via Twitter. People can discover it via Periscope. There's a couple of different routes into this live content, which is really, really important. It's not just sort of relying on those people who have existing sort of um, Twitter audiences. We're making it easier on the platform to sort of scale that sort of best content to the people who are interested most and we're getting better geographically so what's hot in New Zealand right now what's hot in tech what's hot in entertainment so how do we categorize this information so it's as sort of searchable as possible and as accessible as the platform grows yeah I'm really fascinated to see how brands what what brands will do with Periscope yep has, has there been any um I know we were talking about uh you know celebrities and and uh and people have we got any yeah. Any, any brands that are doing anything early on that? Well, yet? the All Blacks tried when they landed in Samoa, but unfortunately the 3G let them down. So they right. sent out an apology <laughs> tweet, but thank them for trying. Um, we saw a really good example with Vivid in Sydney. So Destinations New South Wales, their real showpiece, incredibly sort of visual, perfect for Periscope. And what they did is they actually broadcast the opening night. So from the top of the Museum of Modern Art, they right. took it out and broadcast the whole thing. But in the days leading up, they actually did a channel job. So they went out and explained to people what Periscope was. They explained to it how and where they could download it. They showed them the type of content they could consume when it came out. Yeah. So when the event went live, they actually had a base of people who had already engaged with their content who nice. they could sort of retarget and bring back and say, hey, we're live, let's do this now. And we're also seeing brands sort of finding the cracks in in, in live events. So people own the rights to the press conference or people own the rights to the actual game, but in the locker room or in the warm-up or when they're coming out of the tunnel or when they're sort of doing the, they're sort of meeting their sort of families afterwards, there's all these little sort of key bits that haven't been covered before that brands are finding really interesting ways and to bring know, to life. I love that as well. Yeah. A, a lot of people in the music industry think there's no more rock stars because, you know, back in the day, they were iconic. They, yeah. they were rock stars. They had this veil of mystery around them. Now you can sit down with them while they have breakfast or walk their dog. Exactly. And, 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 or do they do a live Q&A after the gig in their hotel? You know, yeah. this whole veil of, of uh, mystery around these people and personas and, and events and situations. You, 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 you're there. You're actually yeah. being a part of it. It's, it's it's great. It's awesome. It's broken down all sorts of barriers. These people who you'd never have access to, these things that would happen behind closed doors or in boardrooms or in locker rooms, suddenly you're there with them. Suddenly you can feed back and get these connections. And we see this happen all the time, these only on Twitter moments where people can connect and get a response from their sort of favorite people, from their heroes, from someone who's really important to them. And we see really interesting relationships get nurtured in a very, very public way. What are the biggest audiences that you're seeing hit, uh, yeah, hit a Periscope 
stream what are, have you seen any you know examples that have been you know really off the charts or is it is it still are there still limitations around how much the platform can can scale in terms of sort of the output uh, well, we haven't seen any stats around the most sort of um, followed or engaged with topics or tags um, hopefully they'll sort of unlock some data for us soon but we don't actually have any analytics on periscope to share its time yeah. sorry about that now um, we're talking about you know the freedom of information and just yeah. how great it is to be you know open and, and, and sharing and, and uh just how, uh, you know, the interactions that we can have. But one thing you've brought with you that I really, really psyched on is this Twitter rules. Uh, and um, What, you like rules, Ross? No, but I like the fact that this is a communication <laughs> that Twitter are doing. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, I'm holding a printout. It's safety.twitter.com. Uh, follow at safety. And it's various tools and information about how to protect yourself, protect your tweets, unfollow flagging media, um, rule of impersonation and spam. So I'm assuming that there's been a big drive to, to, to promote personal safety uh, on the platform. Absolutely. It's a huge focus for us as a business that everyone should have a safe and fun environment in which to do, enjoy, enjoy Twitter, safe from abuse or harassment. That's incredibly important to us. And we've taken some very high-profile steps in um, recent sort of months and years to make that process um, easier to protect. So we've made reporting easier. We've made it easy to mute people. You can now block people with two clicks. Um, and we've sort of ramped up our team of those people who actually review anything that gets reported. We've got a, a safety team who work around the clock 24 hours. Um, and every tweet that gets reported gets viewed by a human eye. Okay, so it's it's not not algorithmic. It's not algorithmic. It's human nature. You can't you can't sort of read into that. A, a lot of it comes down to context, which is incredibly important to us. Different bits of language, different sort of names, different ways people talk about things, when taken out of context, can be completely misread and misconstrued. Yeah, there's a lot of natural language processing. There's a lot of tools out there that do that in semantic filtering, which is yep. great. But there's always that contextual always. point that it's going to be very difficult. So it's interesting to hear that it's 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 you know it's a it's a team that's yep. actually doing. It must that. be pretty time consuming. Um, I I wouldn't know, but we've got the teams around the clock doing it, so I imagine they're they're kept fairly busy. Yeah. So I guess that has to be something that you distribute globally in order to to make that happen. Is that is that how you do it? And I guess you've got to deal with different languages and so on as well. Yeah, I think we've got what do we call it? Uh, follow the sun uh, coverage. So mm. there'll mm. always be someone sort of able to sort of take up requests or keep an eye on things. Yeah. yeah. Now, just recently, uh, as of 1st of July, so Jack Dorsey's just been started as an interim CEO. Yeah. Not a bad one to have your founder and inventor. <laughs> now, interim CEO, I have to ask, is there space for a New Zealand CEO? Get your hat in the ring, mate. I yep. think uh, now's the time. This is the platform to do it. All right. I'll yeah. put an email from <laughs> And um, uh, how long have you guys been in Australia? Um, it's our second anniversary this week, actually. So we've been there for two years. Um, we started with four of us about two years ago, yeah, and now we're up to about 40 of us. And yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. It's been great working with clients and brands and individuals. And the really exciting bit is the stage we're now in with New Zealand. It's that exploration. It's going out and educating people on the potential of the platform. And that's the really exciting bit is when you see there's this moment when people get Twitter. They understand the connective yeah. tissue. They the don't think it, yeah. Exactly. They don't think people, it's just people talking about what they're having for breakfast or asking sort of Miley Cyrus to retweet them. There's this whole <laughs> like community and ingenuity on there. And it's such a simple platform, but people use it for a million different things. And so that's been really exciting. Even just in the last sort of four days we've been here going out and talking to people about 
how New Zealand use it, what's important to New Zealand users on Twitter, and sharing some sort of global examples of how these people are sort of installing best practice or innovating on the platform. Looking sort of across the Asia Pacific region, you know, what sort of presence do you have, and you know, how how's Twitter doing, and you know, in the in the other parts of the sort of APEC? Yeah, well, seventy seven percent of our user base are actually outside of the United States, which might surprise people. And the engine room of this is APEC. That's where we're seeing growth. We're seeing advertisers sort of flock to the platform. We're seeing users really engage and again, finding innovative uses of it. So yeah, APAC is a complete engine room at the moment. And that's why this is perfect timing that we've got our base in Australia. Now the natural next move is to come to New Zealand. You guys looking at the top 10 most commonly trending topics from um, last year. It's all about sport. It's all about passions. It's all about music. It's about TV. All the reasons that people really come together in real life and come together on Twitter. So that's why it's a really sort of easy decision for us to come and have a sort of a direct presence here. Yeah. And what what about other countries? Singapore, Malaysia Sorry, yeah. and you um, know, so a, we've across? Got, we've got a regional, um, regional hub out of Singapore. That's yeah, where great. our sort of headquarters are based. Yeah. Um, it makes it a bit easier for the American execs to sort of uh, come <laughs> in and get distributed down here. Um, we've got an office we've really o- recently opened in Jakarta. Um, we've got a presence in Taiwan. We've got a presence in Hong Kong. Um, we've got a uh, Growing presence in India, that's a big sort of growth market for us. And Japan is absolutely huge. More people use Twitter in Japan than use Facebook. So really? in terms of uh, sort of um, big growth and innovating space in uh, APAC, Japan's got to be right up there. That's interesting. That's a fact, certainly news to me. I think a lot of people wouldn't have, yeah, wouldn't no have realized that. Well, there's an interesting story, which I've been trying to fact check about it. But during the tragic tsunami about, um, was it four or five years ago? Yeah. 2010, I was there. 2010. Okay, great. So I'm on the money. Um, a lot of telcos went down. Um, a lot of the other digital providers went, SMS messages went down, but they found they could still use um, Twitter by the basic SMS function. You could still tweet um, via an SMS, so you could still get your message read. So right. there's these great stories of people staying in touch and letting people around the world know they're okay, and it just stuck. After that became sort of intrinsic and important to what they were doing, they've just carried it on and it's gone from strength to strength. Wow. And there are still markets because you, the SMS side of Twitter has sort of you know stopped and yep. a lot of places. But there's still markets where that that's quite important, right? Because you know they don't they don't maybe have as ready or affordable access to data. Sure. Yeah. Um. And the sort of discrepancy in data usage and data expense is of a very much we're very much aware of that. To the fact of sort of basic things like if you've got low bandwidth or you've got sort of expensive data, we won't necessarily autoplay videos for you because we know that's probably sure. going to write you off. And then there's great innovations coming out of um, India because there's a big technology, a big culture there of drop dialing people, sort of mm. miscalling them when they know they're going to expect a call or they want to meet up. There's this big culture of drop dialing because SMSing and dating is very expensive. So we acquired a company recently called ZipDial out there, which allows us to sort of tap into that drop calling technology and allow people to actually sort of request and send tweets based on that technology. So, so drop, oh, that's, that's when you call someone and sort of hang up before they answer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. So like you used to do as a teenager, like when you didn't have any credit or you using someone else's phone, that's a lot of their communication out there. So we're trying to sort of really tap into those cultural insights and make Twitter accessible for everyone. Yeah, that's really Thank you again. You're very again. welcome. Thank um, you for having us. That's a lot of great information. And, yeah. Good to see you. So how, when are we going to see you again? Um, over the next sort of three months, I've got a couple of trips planned. So okay. depending on how the meetings have gone this week, um, I will be sort of back and forth over the ditch for the next sort of three months. Um, and then we'll see how we go from there. Cool. And you've brought some awesome Twitter swag. So I imagine There is some Twitter can... swag, which I think you're putting up for grabs 
on a limited basis, eh? Yeah, yeah. So um, now, Ollie, of course, people want to know your your Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, so, you know, how do they get hold of you? How do they get hold of sort of Twitter, Australia, New Zealand? Sure. Um, I am at Ollie Wilton, O-L-L-Y-W-I-L-T-O-N, at Ollie Wilton. Or if any of the advertisers or agencies out there are interested, just drop me an email. It's Ollie, O-L-L-Y, at twitter.com. That's great. All right, we'll certainly put your Twitter handle uh, up on the, the website. At, great. Um, nzdigitalpodcast.com. Ross, people wanting to track you down? Yep, rossmcd.com. That actually redirects to my Twitter. So you can Ross underscore McDougall on Twitter or just rossmcd.com. Excellent. And my Twitter handle, nice and easy, Paul Spain on Twitter. So that's us. And uh, nz underscore digital is the podcast's Twitter handle. And to find out about more podcasts, visit podcasts.co.nz. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you very soon on the next episode of the New Zealand Digital Podcast. The New Zealand Digital Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Technology.